Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. I would couple that with <clears throat> the desperation that that full complement of players is playing with, too. Uh, so it, it does bring a level of stress to the game in certain situations that we probably didn't see during the season. I think the Chicago game was a game that was kind of playoff-type mentality. OKC, that was a tough game. I mean, they threw different defenses at us. Um, they trapped us off a jump ball, which was something that we had never seen before. So, <clears throat> But outside of that, you pro- he's probably right. Um, this is the first time we've seen a really good team with high-level players playing every possession like it's their last. It's Monty Williams, the head coach of the Suns, a practice yesterday in L.A. addressing a question that's out there now about, and, and we talked about it heading into mm-hmm. the, the postseason, Vic. How ready are the Phoenix Suns? How good are the Phoenix Suns? There was an eight-game stretch where Kevin Durant played with the Suns. They had the same starting lineup, but... As we talked about, it wasn't necessarily the most high-leverage games. You had a game against Dallas, which was a high-profile, nationally televised game that was yeah. intense when it was happening. Uh, Monty Williams mentioned the Oklahoma City game there. But you know, Kevin Durant was asked about that yesterday. Monty Williams was asked about it yesterday. You know, how battle-tested were the Suns for the pickup in intensity in the playoffs? And... Considering that you know they did not play well, in my opinion, in Game 1, and that was still a one-point game in the final stretches of it, mm-hmm. and that they came back and won Game 2 in pretty convincing fashion, I think that's a pretty good sign so far. Yeah, and so I, so I think that that is one of the reasons for optimism going into tonight's game. The, the, the belief that uh, at, at, as easy as this team made it look at times during those eight regular season games, now they're being tested. Will that test bring out an even better, more efficient, more dangerous version of the Phoenix Suns? And that's possible because, you know, it, it guys like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, this is what they do. They meet and beat top competition. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think it, it really comes down now to to that question. Um, where is this thing going now that this, this revamped Suns team is now in the crucible, right in the midst of the fire playing every other day. Is it going to sharpen them? Is it going to expose weaknesses? Can they sustain the usage that we've seen so far? Because there's really not a lot of options for this. I don't think you can start giving chunks of minutes to bench players to 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 lessen the load on your stars. I think this is the hand the Cardinals, I'm sorry, the Suns have to play. Mm-hmm. They have to play high usage minutes for Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, less for Chris Paul, but still probably more than you want Chris Paul to play. Uh, and then we're going to we're going to also see more tonight about what are we going to see with Devin Booker at point guard? Are they going to wait and and break that out if things aren't going well? Are they going to save it as a weapon to use at a later date, or are they going to continue to explore this? Because as I said repeatedly yesterday, and as Kellen Olson said later on in the day. There was a marked difference. Nobody wants to talk about this, but there was a marked difference between the team being led by Devin Booker and the one being led by Chris Paul. One of the marked differences on the other side, though, is now 
the Clippers and Ty Lue have seen that. Yeah. So, yes. Here we yes. go with this never-ending chess match during yep. the course of a, of a best-of-seven series. So if the Suns go to that early, how do the Clippers respond? Do you know? Is there more blitzing involved? All of that. Another factor to consider in all of this in terms of point guard usage and minutes for Chris Paul and how you employ Devin Booker is what is campaign's availability? He's questionable. Uh, on the official injury list, Monty Williams was asked yesterday at practice how much was Cam able to do. He shot some today, but we didn't we didn't do a ton today. It's today's one of those days where we just want to smell the gym and, and get back to the hotel. Yeah, so uh, you know, shoot around today and maybe pregame. Who knows if there's going to be an update. Um, and that could be the next wrinkle in how the Suns, mm-hmm. you know, have an advantage uh, personnel-wise. It, it, you know, there's so many moving pieces. Well, in listen, all of this. and in the end, the, then there's the Paul George factor. Paul George, uh, according to reports, is ramping up his workout. We uh-huh. we know the report is that he likely is not returning at all this particular series. Uh, I was told by somebody before the series began that the Clippers were very confident they could beat the Suns without Paul George. Yes, and and so maybe that's changed after Game Two. It, maybe it would change significantly if the Suns win tonight, which I, uh, I expect them to do. But it, it, you don't know where the series is going. That's what makes so tonight so compelling. It really does. Yeah. You don't know. But that Paul George thing is, I think, also a psychological carrot for the Clippers. If you know they're yeah. confident they could beat the Suns in the first round, and you're like, oh, hey, if we can get past Phoenix, and we're going to take on Denver in the second round, and PG's coming back, mm-hmm. they're probably confident they can win the West. Which they should be. Which they should be. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right so about that. that's got to be a driving force, maybe not that's spoken about, that's probably in the back of everybody's mind. Yeah. That, hey, George is getting close to coming back, and if we add him, look out. Yeah, and, exactly. And so I, th- I think there is that in the mix. And, and flip side, we talk about usage rate for Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and where this whole thing is going. Clippers are playing the same game with Kawhi Leonard. They're, yes. they're relying on him to carry everything, everything. And, and for a guy that's had a hard time staying healthy, that, that's they're rolling the dice, too. So it's not just the Phoenix yeah. Suns. They're rolling the dice, too. Kawhi has been very much a protected player in terms of usage and, and playing time in recent years, especially coming off the ACL a couple of postseasons ago. Uh, Kevin Durant is not exactly surprised to see how much uh, Kawhi's working. I'm not surprised by it. I mean, you know, he's, he's a supreme athlete. He works on his game, cares about the game. So I was, when, he, when the ball's tipped up, I don't expect anything different from him to just to be the best version of himself. Yeah, if you go back to 2021, obviously the Suns beat the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. They didn't have Kawhi Leonard. You know, the Suns in that postseason play against the Denver Nuggets, and they did not have Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Here we are two full years later almost in the postseason, and those guys are just starting to round back into form. How about it? Isn't that crazy? How about it? And both of them are announcing in their own way, hey, I'm back, I'm healthy, and are yeah. changing, kind of changing the hopes for, for both of their franchises. And, and then finally, uh, we're going to get into this in a little bit, the, 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 the bump between Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard, I'm curious what you think about that. The post-game passing of ships, if it was anything. You think it was garbage? I think it was garbage. Yes, yeah, so do I. So do I. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can text your thoughts on it to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, a week from tonight, the NFL Draft. 
We got tons of oh, questions yeah. with the Cardinals. Matt. Who are they going to pick? What's up with Buddha and D Hop? What are the uniforms going to look like? We've got a ton of questions. We'll get into them next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Pickley, Vince Murata, Pickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. No, 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 no. I do not believe those are situations are similar. So you're right. DeAndre Hopkins has permission to seek a trade, has been, you know, discussing with several teams. We'll see if one happens in the next, I mean, should be in the next week or so, certainly before the draft. I know there's been plenty of discussion, so we'll see if they can get to a price where the Cardinals are okay with. Buda Baker, it seems to be the opposite. That's Ian Rappaport from NFL Network earlier this week on the Pat McAfee Show talking about the differences in the DeAndre Hopkins situation in the Buder 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 Baker Buder Baker. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, as far as we know, hasn't asked for a trade. It mm. just seems like it's going to happen. He's entertaining all options. He's giving interviews and answering questions with facial expressions yeah. on how uh, you know how much he wants to play for certain teams. The Cardinals uh, are you know not necessarily feeling the same about moving their all-pro safety Buda Baker. Here's more on that from uh, Rappaport. I learned about the trade request over the last several days, but this has quietly been a reality for Arizona for much longer. Really? Um, it wants a new deal. Um, and I do not believe the Cardinals want to trade him at all, which is what told him. Like, we don't plan to trade you. We want to keep you. And, like, he is, you know, if you watch Hard Knocks, the in-season, that's a great picture. Because uh, that actually really encap- oh, yeah. encapsulates mm-hmm. him. Like, that's, like, he is the heartbeat of that defense. That's the guy you want to build around, not you want to use, like, your second-round pick. <laughs> Good use of gifts. Um, not, you know, you don't want to use the second-round pick to replace him. You want to build with him. So we'll see what happens, but I don't believe they want to trade him at all. No, I didn't see the video portion of what they're talking about, mm-hmm. but you heard Ian Rappaport say the Buda Baker is kind of the symbol, the, the hard knock symbol. And if you remember when in-season hard knocks was being pubbed before it even came out, there was that clip that went viral of Buda Baker in the locker room early in the season against Philadelphia when the Cardinals squandered an opportunity to beat the eventual NFC champions at State Farm Stadium. And Buda Baker standing in front of his team, emotional, might have been crying at that point, but just, you know, adamant about how sick and tired he was of losing and it didn't yeah. it didn't change throughout mm-hmm. the regular se- the rest of the regular season and i know buda baker wants a new deal but we yeah. talked about this the 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 prospect of him coming back to play for a team that really might be just taking a gap year is got to be a hard sell for him uh, I talked I talk to somebody who uh, who has spoken with Buda Baker, and uh, Buda's concerns are if he gets hurt before week one, the Cardinals can just kick him to the curb and he gets nothing at all from yeah. his last two years remaining on his deal. Um, he, he, I, I have been told that Monty Asenfort told Buda we'll, we'll talk after the draft is over. Um, but I don't think Buddha is feeling that, and and I think Buddha was also told by the owner in early January all these things about that you're the face of the franchise, you're great, you're everything we want, and but hasn't heard anything from the owner in regards to this. So, so this this might just be a, a money deal where Monty Ford is the new GM isn't looking at Buddha Baker. I mean, they obviously have said the right things, mm-hmm. but if you're in a rebuild, do you want to commit twenty million dollars a year to a safety when you've already got Jalen Thompson and maybe Isaiah uh, Simmons back yeah. there. 
So uh, listen, I think it's a big mistake. I think this is this is a guy that really resonates with fans, and I think the loss of Buddha is going to make people feel like everybody on the Cardinals is entering the transfer portal. Oh, that's a great way to put it. That's what it's going to feel like. You're yeah. going to feel like a college football fan base where everybody is entering the portal and you're going, <laughs> what is going on with my football team? Mm-hmm. So you got trade possibilities there on two fronts with big names. You've got the draft a week from tonight. Cardinals still own the third pick. We've been talking uh, a bit about you know, possibilities. What do you do? Do you take Will Anderson at three? Do you move down? All of these possibilities are out there. But Adam Schefter, and you referenced this on yesterday's show, this is Adam Schefter talking about a wrench that could be thrown into the whole mix ahead of the Cardinals at number two that could ruin everything. Well, they're open to listening because I think there's a feeling around the league that they're not a lot to take a quarterback at two, that there's not a quarterback that they feel strong enough to say, we are making this pick and we are turning it in no matter what. Therefore, they're going to listen. And therefore, they're open to making a deal if there's the right offer. The issue there becomes, how far back do you want to move? Do you want to give up the opportunity to take a great defensive playmaker like somebody like Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, a choice that the Texans could make at number two, where they could pick their top choice of defensive players in the draft, or go Go for a different player. But the more you hear, the more it sounds like it's possible that this quarterback run that we've been expecting may be slightly delayed and not go off exactly as many people have planned and forecasted. Yeah, he's talking about the Houston Texans at two. It seems like the Carolina Panthers are settling on Bryce Young as the number one pick at quarterback. Yeah. But the question mark at number two, do they love C.J. Stroud? Do they love Will Levis? Do they love Anthony Richardson? And the answer might be no. And how much do they really like Will Anderson? Kind of That's kind of been the security blanket thought for a lot of Cardinals fans. Is if you don't move, you walk away with Will Anderson. It's a pretty nice consolation prize to have. The best player yeah, possibly right. in this draft. But now it looks like even that's a murky well, situation. It, and again, it's, it's as Jared pointed out yesterday, you do have to observe the calendar. And you have to look at, is this the peak of disinformation? Is this what we're looking Could at be. right now? Um, Do you remember the week leading up to the Kyler Murray draft? They had the Cardinals picking that different player at number one every day. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, and so maybe because about a week ago, the narrative was that the Cardinals might have six teams, as many as six teams lining up for that number three pick. And man, would they walk off with a haul. And so this might be a reaction to that, trying to kind of tap down the asking price for whoever is interested in the number three overall. Uh-huh. I, if you're the Houston Texans, can you afford not to draft a quarterback? Yes. I mean, I don't think you can, in that situation, and they've been without a quarterback for so, I mean, since the Deshaun Watson situation, but if you're not sold on a guy, why are you going to invest a pick? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, that is true. You don't, you don't draft a guy just because you have a gaping need at the, at the, at the position. Uh, but to me, and it's the big question here is why is C.J. Stroud now suddenly falling? There's a report that C.J. Stroud committed to the Manning Passing Academy and then ghosted them. And is that all it takes to to suddenly be a bad character guy? Across the Mannings, the, yeah, you got some work to do well, to repair you, your image. Yeah, I mean, what happened to him? And because there were people going, "Oh, this is the best all around prospect." Bryce Young has got the brain, but he doesn't have the body. Well, uh, Anthony Richardson's got the body, but his game film is real sus, mid even, sketch maybe, possibly. Maybe meh. Maybe eh, <laughs> meh. 
<laughs> cringe. Cringe. Not slay. Face. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then Will Levis and and all that he represents Will Levis apparently has great great reviews in terms of his, of his intellectual capabilities but people I've I've heard people are just really not happy that he's just so fixated on his guns his biceps his arms his weight training I don't know why that turns talent people off Name a buff quarterback who's ever been good. I guess he can't. I mean, there hasn't been too many of them. Jalen Hurts is kind of buff. Well, that's true. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's got 255 million reasons to be proud of those guns. Oh, though. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I would think that that's something you would embrace. Maybe, maybe it's a little too, I don't know. Vanity driven? I don't know. I, I, this is what we do, though. This is what the industry does every year at this time. Yeah. You know, it's it's the it's the pimples on a beauty queen kind of deal. You're looking for every possible flaw you can find. Chances are you're going to find it. You oh. go looking for any, you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to find a flaw, yeah, you will. Absolutely. But does it actually mean something? Yeah. Speaking of beauty and appearance, too, tonight we get to see the Cardinals uniforms. Dang. I saw a presentation yesterday that was sent to me. That looked kind of official, looked kind of legit, but I still don't believe it's real. So I'm not going to share it with anybody. Okay, <laughs> I'll show Good you. Tease. I showed you, Bick. <laughs> I'll show you. I don't want to. I don't want to put it out in the, into the masses. But uh, we'll finally find out what that uh, redesign looks like tonight. You could score the hottest ticket in town: Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to six twenty six twenty. Register and listen for your name Monday and Tuesday during the seven a.m., twelve noon, and five o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game Five tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. That's ticket to six twenty six twenty. Coming up next, the big stories of the day in rush hour. Re- Reboot Forum with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot, everybody, here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Great to have you all with us as we are now 12 hours away from Suns Basketball. Exactly 7.30 tip 12 tonight. hours, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, that's going to be on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7, so make sure you are with us for that. Game three of the Suns Clippers series in Los Angeles. I'm Sarah Cazell, taking you through these top stories with Dan Bickley. Hey! With Vince Murata. Strap in, everyone. Let's do this. Hey. And Jarrett Carlin. You like Jimmy Carr? Very funny man. Oh, he's coming to town. Is he? This summer, I think, yes. This summer. Hey, hey, Jarrett. I don't care. He's old. What? <laughs> I don't care. He's old. <laughs> I don't care. He's old. And with the vocal fry, too. <laughs> he's old. So I don't care. He's old. Dismissive. He's so old. So old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yesterday, Monty Williams, uh, during uh, media availability, shared the latest on Chris Paul's hand. Did anything with you with Chris's hand? And- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah, is all he gave us. Okay. Uh, As we discussed on the show yesterday, Chris Paul was messing around with his right hand at the end of game two, although x-rays after the game came back negative. And we've got the latest on his backup campaign, who has not played since April 7th. He shot some today, but we didn't didn't do a ton today. Today's one of those days where we just want to smell the gym and, and get back to the hotel. 
All right, didn't do a lot. Is smell the gym a Monteism? Or is that a phrase smell that I am not been that's familiar what, with? That's what he said. Yeah. He, he, we just, we wanted just wanted to, smell to the come gym. in, smell the gym, and get back to our hotels. It, yeah, kind of. Has that been around and I was not aware of it? I no. I, I, he's kind of talked. He, he, he speaks of a gym as if it's a cathedral. Oh, mm-hmm. And to him it is. 100%. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's our gym. It's the gym. Smell the gym. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. It smells like sweat and dirty yes, shoes. right. <laughs> and sweating men. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Assuming campaign is not available, as he has not been for a few weeks now, and assuming that Chris Paul, his hand is impacted, is point book the move, like we saw a little bit of in game two? Not, I don't think exclusively, no. I think you got to pick and choose. And I don't know the reasons behind why they did what they did, and when they made those changes, it worked. But, you know, we talked about it earlier. Ty Lue is going to respond to that because they're going to see that look again. Yeah. Do you want to show it right away? Do you want to sprinkle it in? I mean, it becomes this big, you know, big chess, mental chess match. So I I wouldn't go to it exclusively. And the return of campaign plays into this as well because campaign plays fast. Now, he doesn't play organized the way Devin Booker did the other night. Right. Yeah. But he plays (laughs) fast. So maybe the trick is getting Chris Paul to play a little faster at the times when he's running the team. Um, but I, I I think what you do, what I would do if I ran the basketball team, I would look at that and go, ooh, that was good, and I'm putting it in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And for the record, Chris Paul is not on the Suns injury report. There's no, no. expectation that he is not going to play or, or be limited. We'll find out, though. Um, through two games this series, we have talked a lot about the bench and its production or the lack thereof so far. In game one, the Suns bench accounted for 10 points compared Compared to 34 for the Clippers. Similar story in Game 2. 13 bench points for Phoenix compared to 30 for the Clippers. Now, Suns analyst Eddie Johnson, EJ, you know him, you love him. He joined the Wolf and Luke show yesterday and he said, it's not that the Suns bench is a liability on offense. It's more just a consequence of the Suns starters falling behind early in both games this series. Here's what he said. You know, I don't think any of them has gotten a chance yet. And it's no fault of anybody but the starters. Because the starters are gotten behind early in game. And when the starters get behind early in game, uh, trust me guys, I was a guy that started early in my career first six, seven years and I came off the bench the rest of my career. And, you know, you depend a lot on the starters when you come off the bench. What do you depend on them for? Get you a lead. Like, or be close in the game. Don't make the climb up the hill tougher when I come in and I've been sitting over there and I'm cold. So, the last two games, we've gotten behind. And because of that, the rotations has changed because of the urgency of the moment. Alright, guys, what do you think about that perspective from EJ going into Game 3 tonight? Mm -hmm. I think I think there's a lot of truth to what Eddie said. Um, it does put more of a dire feel on those reserve minutes when you're behind. And I think that was more the case in Game 2. Game 1, I don't think there's any way to slice it. Yes, the starters fell behind, but the bench players and the deployment of the bench players, four of them with Devin Booker, didn't work. So all of those things worked together to work against the Suns. But, yeah, I'd like to see the, the starters come out and, and build a, a comfortable lead. And I think that eases the tensions for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, I, I think it, it just ideally it would be nice. I, I said this earlier. If I was also Monty Williams, I would be real curious if I could re 
re-engage Damian Lee and make him that danger guy because he shoots the ball better than Torrey Craig, and we saw what Torrey Craig did with open three-pointers. If you could find a niche role for him to be that guy, because we saw it in the first month of the season, he was terrific. Yeah. He led the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. But but aside from that, I just don't think there's a lot of pieces that you can actually really work with or hope or have any reasonable reasonable expectations. I think every game is going to be uh, kind of hold on for dear life when the bench is in. Yeah. That's what I believe. Yeah. All right, let's squeeze in the Diamondbacks before we have on Derek Hall of the Diamondbacks um, in our next segment. They missed out on the sweep in St. Louis yesterday with a 14-5 loss to the Cardinals. Uh, on yesterday's show, and we already mentioned it earlier today, during the splash yesterday, Vince was like, oh, they're going for the sweep. Madison Bumgarner is starting. And we were all like, oh, that's not happening. And sadly, that was the case. He only made it three innings, seven earned runs, seven hits, four walks, two strikeouts, and one tiff on the mound with Wilson Contreras. Uh, Mad Bum now has a 10.26 ERA through four starts this season. Mike Fitzgerald, who is the D-backs assistant GM, he was on with Wolf and Luke yesterday uh, during Bumgarner's start, actually, and he said he trusts that Bumgarner will get back on track. Yeah, on the whole, um, obviously it hasn't been to the, to the standard that we expect uh, or that Bum expects. Like you said, that Dodger start kind of gives you some reason for, okay, maybe we're turning the corner here. Even the last start, you know, maybe we're a double play away from having that outing look a little different, and then today's outing was obviously rough. Uh, but the, the trust that we have in the coaching staff to continue to look under every rock possible to try to find ways to get him back on track, we have high trust in that. So I know our guys are going to continue to grind, try to find ways to get him back on track and have him help the team. Okay, maybe they'll get him back on track, but will it be as a starter? Has he made his last start with the Diamondbacks? I believe he has. I, I think this thing has reached, reached critical mass. Um, I would not have given him the ball yesterday. I understand why they did um, because it, it's it's hard to do that with any pitching legend, more so a volatile guy like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that, now you're creating confrontation. You're creating weird chemistry in the clubhouse. But after just after how predictable that, that blowout was yesterday, I just think the time has come to just to call it a day with that dude. One thing I'll give Bumgarner credit for in, in judging from his post-game comments yesterday, too, he's aware of it. He knows he's struggling. And oh, he's like, sure. you know, I can't answer these questions, but I, you know, I'm, I'm searching for answers and I'm not finding any right now. I've got to pitch better. Um, you know, this is a different, this is a team with expectations now. So, yeah, I mean, do you move him to the bullpen? Does he develop tendonitis? What happens? You oh, know? <laughs> man. <laughs> But uh, I'll, ag- reliever? I'll agree with Bick that I think this that was the last start for a while. We'll see. I mean, Tori Lavella wouldn't commit to a next start either. Maybe we'll find out more in our conversation with Derek Cole. Coming up next? Yes. Wow. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30 every week Synergy, here folks. on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Thursdays. We get to talk to the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, Derek Hall, and that does happen next. Strictly Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. I have the high privilege and the distinct honor to present to you the President. 
He's the president and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Hail to the chief. Derek Hall. The president. On now with Bickley and Murata. Yeah, Thursday mornings we get to chat with Derek Hall, the president and CEO of the first place wow. Arizona Diamondbacks. Say that again, that right. The first place Arizona Diamondbacks. You never get sick of hearing that, no. do you, Derek? I don't get sick of hearing that, and uh, I, I wonder what we want to talk about here, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Derek. We'll start. We'll start easy, Derek. We'll start with three and three, and you know the first series loss yep. comes in Miami, but I think a nice bounce back to take those first two games in St. Louis, despite what happened yesterday. I think uh, you know six game road trip. There's nothing to sneeze at there. Totally agree, Vince. And, and, you know, Miami's not an easy place to play. And for us to, to start 0-2 and then on getaway day to have to face Alcantara and, and bounce back like we did, like you said, and then go into St. Louis where we've traditionally never had a lot of success on the road and to take the first two was great. I mean, obviously, you would love to get out of there with a sweep and a 4-2 and two road trip, especially starting 0-2. Uh, but we, we killed the momentum a little bit yesterday, and uh, it was disappointing, and we're going to try and bounce back. But what we've seen with this team is they do just that. They're resilient, and after a loss, they rebound just fine. All right, let's ask the hard question now, Derek. Coming down in 3-2-1, Madison Bumgarner, uh, at any point in the previous three seasons, you could you could give him a lot of rope to, to try to work things out or keep him in the rotation. This is uh, The consequences and the stakes are much higher this year. So what, what are you guys going to do about him? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's tough because he really has uh, taken accountability. He's worked really hard. Um, you know, to his credit, th- this guy has put in the work and the effort, and, and Stromy has as well. Uh, it's just been, it's been sad and disappointing. And uh, as you guys pointed out, even after the game yesterday, his postgame comments showed the frustration and more so just the confusion, you know, on his part. He's always had a lot of success. Uh, but obviously he is, he has struggled this year and it really started at the end of last year. But I do think the expectations are, are in a completely different place. You have a, a very young roster mixed in with some veterans like Bum who expect to win. And, um, you know, I think our fans are, are excited about this team and they want to win too. So we, you know, it's a balancing act. It's a, it's a decision that we, we have to make. We're debating internally on what to do. We do that after every start, not just, you know, after yesterday's start, but, but after every start, because I believe we're in the situation now, which is a good spot to be in, where we have to ask ourselves, are we putting our, ourselves in the best position to win based on the players we have available? And we made those decisions at the end of last year to bring up young players to play in the outfield. They, they produce, they continue to, they provide a lot of that excitement. We did so with some of our young pitchers as well, and we've talked about the depth. So there are decisions we have to make because we do have pitchers who, who do need to become a part of this you know, 26-man roster soon because they're proving that they're ready for that next, that next move. So, again, all of this goes into the decision-making, and you know, we just want to make sure we're in the best position to win. When you talk about that process, Derek, it, you know, is it one of those situations where everything's on the table? And I, I'm asking specifically, is there a chance that there's a shift to put Madison Bumgarner in the bullpen at this point? All good questions, Vince. And, and I would say this first and foremost. Yes, everything is on the table, and I mean that by – you know, I've been really consistent. We've been consistent letting our baseball ops know we're never going to make a decision, just so you know, based on what a guy gets paid. So salary will never come into play and prevent us from making decisions that would improve our, our roster or improve our chances to win. So say that first and foremost. Um, but then when you're determining whether to put, you know, a, a veteran, and, and not just him specifically, you know, you have to look at the makeup 
of your bullpen. And we're starting to establish roles. We just got Mantiply back. You have Chafin. You have Nelson. You know, that's three left left-handed arms there. Uh-huh. So, again, all of that comes into play, too. You know, um, yeah, true. how effective are the guys in the bullpen? I mean, you look at yesterday's game, and, and you know, Vincent Bick, you go the day before, and, of course, we knew we were going to have <clears throat> limited innings for Jamison because, you know, he's still not fully stretched out. So we knew that we were going to have limited pitch count. We knew we were going to utilize the bullpen. And then going into yesterday, you just hope that your starter can give you five, six innings. And he wanted it to. Maybe he put even more pressure on himself because you want to limit the bullpen. And we, we had to go the bullpen and get length out of, out of Solomon, as you know. But um, all of that comes into play, too. You know, how do you keep as little stress as possible on your bullpen? And, and it's been great to see guys like Gallen and Merrill Kelly get into the seventh inning now. You know, they're, they're starting to get you there. So you're not utilizing the bullpen as much as you did at the beginning of the season. But all of that is a factor, too. So there, there, there's a lot of things we're we're weighing and talking about and you know obviously you always ask can it get better can it improve um and 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 that's what we just don't know you know is it injury no i mean at the end of yesterday's game i the reporters asked him are you healthy and he said sure so it is a performance issue then right now and it's a decision we're we're trying to make yeah that's really interesting um last thing about this uh we all know that the effects of the pitch clock has been stunning in ways that we didn't even anticipate players talk about how guys get on base the small talk is out of the game guys just don't even kibitz anymore because it's everything is on point bang 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 is madison bumgarner struggling with the pitch clock I I don't think so. And, Vic, that's a great question, but uh, I I don't think so. I think it's more just frustration and, and like I said, confusion. Somebody that's always had a ton of success. But we know that that it was in the heads of some of our starters before who never experienced it in the minor leagues. I think they're over it. I think they're, for the most part, you know, uh, adjusted. Um, I think Merrill made mention to his last start where, you know, there was one at bat where he wished he could have it back. But that's okay. That's all part of the adjustment process. So so I I don't think so. Um, But that's really a question for him to answer. I just have not heard that, Dick. I haven't heard him or, or others really complain about the pitch clock anymore. I think those adjustments have been made, and it's a good part of our game, in my opinion. Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Diamondbacks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming home for this homestand now against San Diego and Kansas City, and the Diamondbacks were one of the first teams, Derek, to put into uh, place the, the policy of extending beer sales until uh, the eighth inning with the with the shortened game clock or the the game play, um, taking advantage of that. And as you well know, there's been a reaction to that from some inside the game. Some players have commented on it, and others. What kind of feedback have you got in your role on, on that policy decision to to extend beer sales? Well, you know, I, I will take full responsibility for that decision. I haven't heard much i mean I, I know that there's some chatter out there just as an industry um and major league baseball allowed all the teams to make their own decisions mm-hmm. i just thought with the speed up with the fact that we're, we're carving you know 30 minutes out of it it's how do you do it do you do you open the gates early or do you extend i, I think the easiest way was for us to extend and just monitor it we can always pivot and make a change later sure. uh, we haven't heard that there's been any issues or any problems we also always you know encourage responsibility and ask people to sign up as designated drivers so I, you know, there, there's nothing there changes. Uh, in fact, there's probably even more awareness that we're driving home. Um, and so, you know, no pun intended. We hope no one's driving home if they're not being responsible. Yes. But uh, I, I think um, when you when you make a decision like this, Vince, you got to think about 
your concessions partner. You have to think about your corporate partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a lot in mind there. It's not just for revenue, but also the fans were asking us as well. So though you may hear some people grumbling about it, I can guarantee you what, what I did hear was before the season, hey, would you consider extending it now that our games are getting so quick here in spring? So I heard it from the other side going into yeah. the season and thought, why not? You know, let's give it a shot, and we can always uh, we can always adjust I, later. I, yeah, I don't get the players who are complaining about. It. I mean, it, why is it why is it a baseball's uh, club's? Um, why is it your job to assume, assume personal responsibility of people? Right, exactly. Hey, that, and, that's, and, that's, yeah, that's, right. That's I've heard that from to others too, defending it and questioning, saying, "Well, bars are open. You know, are they closing earlier? They, you know, I, I get both sides yeah. of the argument. And and bottom line is, we do want everybody to be responsible, but yes. I also want our corporate partners to feel like they're getting as much ex- exposure as they as they always have, or at least sales that they always have. All right, in thirty seconds, D, what do the ticket sales look like for this weekend against the Padres? Fernando Tatis Jr. is back, and and do you feel this team kind of creating a buzz locally? I, I do, Bick. I definitely do. And I think, you know, just the the chatter that I'm getting over our starting rotation tells you people are watching, people are, you know, they have an opinion, they want to win. And our, our ticket sales look that way as well. Um, it's going to be a fun weekend. Of course, Tatis is back tonight. That team, you know, look, they're as talented as any on the field. So it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting four-gamer. And then we have the Royals after that. But Saturday night, the Zach Allen bobblehead. We know that the ticket sales will be up. There's still tickets available Friday night, post-game fireworks. So really fun weekend, four games in the division. And then we've got the Royals coming in for three next week. Yep, Derek, great stuff as always. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our weekly guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Our daily feature at 8 o'clock. When Dan Bickley takes fire. the wheel and spews fire. fire. The Bickley Blast is next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.